It's Michael Yu, and welcome back to my podcast, Young's Blueprint. In today's episode, I'll be continuing the conversation I had with one of my really good friends, Alicia Maupin, who I've known since fifth grade. And we're going to be talking about, I mean, you know it, All-American Badass. But just for reference, this is going to be the last episode where I cover All-American Badass. So sit tight and strap in for another wild ride of lyrical genius and a stream of social consciousness. In the previous episode, Alicia and I talked about a lot of things, um, from diversity in the Houston airport to what it means to grow up in a family that embraces multi-racial values, to things like what happiness and success means in our daily lives. We'll be continuing to talk about those things, but moving on with the second verse of Land of the Free, Alicia and I still have a lot of things to talk about. Let's pick right up when Alicia and I talked about happiness. It's ridiculous. Mm. So, I feel like that's especially relevant nowadays with BLM suddenly mm-hmm. exploding. Oh, yeah. And then if you look on Instagram or like the advocacy pages, mm-hmm. what are the few things that you can do? What is it? Educate yourself raise black voices Mm -hmm. or shop from black owned businesses yeah support black owned businesses right now so eventually i feel like justice as a concept itself is inherently tied to happiness it's not tied to success isn't it Mm -mm. maybe not like maybe in some instances like i mean hmm. i feel like some people can label their success as being happy i agree i mean some people like grow up not in a like wealthy household and then their specific goal is to be successful and that's what would bring Mm. them happiness right so i guess that's yeah Mm -hmm. but i think it depends it all everybody's different Uh depends and how do you think your sister has like from what you've been saying she's following what makes her happy Mm -hmm. and without even doing anything opportunities come to her it's completely so what is she like being a younger sibling like what does she tell you I mean, not, not to pull that card, <laughs> but like, what? how do you see it? And I mean, what does she, does she tell you anything? Because... Well, honestly, I would say, even though like, I'm not, I don't have my own successful business right now. Like, yeah. I would say that I learned that lesson before she did. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, not because like, I've pursued so many things and I know what I like and what I, I know what I don't like, uh-huh. but I knew like right away not right away but in high school in leadership in our leadership class we had speakers come in all of the speakers were successful business owners like we had mm. the portland gear guy come in we had marcus harvey yeah you know him <laughs> I, I'm proud that, you, that you did that um um so yeah portland gear came in uh ruby jewel was is owned by sisters so the business there's oh the coffee company no the ice cream ruby jewel is owned by sisters. Mm-hmm, sisters but, what? They're, no, they're no like they're two oh, sisters. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were referencing <laughs> another business. I was no, like, no, no, no. Okay. They're sisters, and okay. one is the one who who's the chef and comes up with all the flavors, flavors. and the other one is the business side. Hmm. So something that I've always been told. Oh, and like just to add like another example, um, my dad has this friend, and he went to law school in his 30s and now he works for the state of oregon Mm. as a lawyer and he just like told us 
like just go every single one of those speakers actually told us go after like what you like doing don't try to pursue anything else because if you try pursuing something that you don't like mm. you're not going to be successful in it and every single one of them said, I'm pursuing something that I like doing and I am successful and the opportunity just falls in your lap if you're going after something that you like doing. Hmm. And so like, obviously like, I don't know what my future occupation is going to be yet. Hmm. I hope that it's in like somewhat the music industry, hmm. but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that's my goal. And I already, I already know that like, I can't just pursue something that I'm not even interested in. Yeah. And my sister tried pursuing like English and tried pursuing like yeah I remember she changed poli sci so much. like everything and then she's doing graphic arts now and she's mm. like I love this like mm. why wasn't I doing this from the start mm-hmm. but to be fair like I think that this is prime opportunity for her like we're in a quarantine where she can't even really go work uh-huh. like the BLM movement is like skyrocketing right now mm. and she's able to profit off of it as a black business owner. Hmm. The movement of Black Lives Matter is more important than ever today. With the recent outcry for racial justice, in wake of the killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, among countless others. Not only in these past few weeks, not only in these past few months, or even years, but in the decades. The history of the United States is plagued by these types of deaths that often are unwarranted. This being said, it's more important than ever that BLM shouldn't be seen as merely a movement. Yes, it's something that you can donate to or attend or sign petitions for, but your efforts should never stop there. In my eyes, BLM is a mindset that I need to adopt. Recognizing that being comfortable and being complacent is not the norm. That's not how things should be. Feeling discomfort and constantly critiquing and positively chanting your ideas and your critiques into a better tomorrow. That's what BLM is about. And Joey honestly expressed similar thoughts in his songs as well. I'm a firm believer in non-confrontational, understanding negotiation being the best way to solve any type of conflict. But hearing what Joey has to say in this song, I can't help but to empathize with how he's speaking about these issues because for decades and throughout his entire life, all these things have just been brushed under the rug. You can obviously hear the frustration in his voice when he raps. And Joey says that if black lives really matter or if we're really trying to fight for racial equality, then things would have changed by now. But obviously not much has changed. I mean, yes, we have made some progress in certain aspects, but the problem still lies in the underbelly of society. In the first verse of Babylon, Joey says how the government doesn't seem to protect and serve the people, but rather damage and hurt marginalized communities. And even though Black Lives Matter is becoming an ever-growing movement, there hasn't been radical change. And in the eyes of him, Joey that is, 
it feels like black communities and black people don't really mean anything. And in fact, he says that they're being hunted and how people don't want them in abundance. And he ends his verse by saying that if you don't got a gun, then you better start running. What Joey is saying here sounds like a completely apocalyptic state of anarchy. And I can see how other people may feel this way from the trauma and the experiences and the exposure to media targeting them as powerless victims their entire lives. In the Bridge of the Song, Chronix, who is a Jamaican reggae artist, echoes the same theme that Joey talked about throughout the entire song. He says that even though America is supposed to be the land of the free, it's actually a lie because in reality, people have differing levels of freedom. And Chronic says, quote, bet how we leave Babylon and go to Ethiopia. And this line is especially important because Babylon used by Rastafarians, which is the religion slash ideology that Chronics, along with many other Caribbean and Eastern African people believe in, describe Babylon as a corrupt and oppressive government. And ultimately, Chronics believes that Black Americans should leave the oppressive United States for their homeland, Africa. And of course, this is a pretty extreme nonsensical in a way argument that he's making, but it really exposes the gravity of the situation. People need to escape the land of the free. I mean, that just sounds so ridiculous, but in many ways, I can completely understand how Chronix and Joey feel this way. And believe me, these two artists are probably not the only people feeling this way as well. Motherfucker, it's the J O Z I F B A D M O N. Come on, bring them M Zone in. I'm on the upside now. If you listen to the intro of the song, you'll hear Joey say, Badman representing. Badman representing. But what does Badman mean? Is this a place? Is this a person? Is this an idea? This actually stretches back to Joey's identity. Even though he was born in Brooklyn, New York, Joey is actually the first of his Caribbean family to be born here in the United States. On his mother's side of the family, Joey has roots from the island of St. Lucia, a Caribbean island located a few hundred miles southeast of Puerto Rico. On the other hand, his dad's side of the family has deep roots in Jamaica. Even though Jovan Scott uses Joey Badass as his rapping and acting and modeling name, he also goes by Joseph Badman. And looking into the significance of this name in regards to Joey's Jamaican heritage, it's really interesting to pick apart the meanings. Joseph is obviously a flip of the name Jovan. It's an unconventional spelling that he uses and it just sounds like just an alternative regular name. But Badmon, on the other hand, is a little bit more packed with content. In Jamaica, Badmon is a name used to refer to men who are involved in illegal activities. But as time progressed, the word developed more of a meaning aligned with dominance, manhood, and just staying real with yourself. 
And nowadays, badmon describes someone who is powerful, someone who commands respect in their neighborhood, or someone who's affluent, which would make them stand apart from any common crowd. So Joseph saying badmon at the beginning of this song pays homage to his Jamaican and Caribbean identity, along with really ensuring that his name stands in power. Now, jumping back into the interview, I ask Alicia, what are some other lines that stand out to you? And how do you relate to them? Let's hear what Alicia has to say. Uh, well, yeah, that's Loki. That's what Joy Badass did with this mm-hmm. song. Yeah, I definitely agree. Are there any other lines that stood out to you? That like pop out at me? Or you want to talk about or like yeah. relate to you? It's they disorganized my people, made us all owners. Just the chorus in general is like it's so, it it's, hits. It's so, if you read it as poetry, mm-hmm. it's morbid. It, it's super it's morbid. It's so sad and so morbid. But it's also just straight to the point. Like, it's morbid, but it's just that's straight reality. up. Like, that is reality. That, that's and, what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like, still got the last name of our slave over- owners. Like, every black family, Af- African-American family in America, yeah. like, they all have white last names. And uh. that was the name of their freaking slave owners. Like, like Wilson, um, Smith, Jackson, Smith. Like, those are all from being slaves. You saying that to me is obviously like a duh thing. <laughs> duh. But I honestly never thought about that before. Yeah. Like how your name embodies mm-hmm. yourself. Like if you think about what represents your identity the most. Your name. Or say your name, right? Yeah. But if your name is inherently, was historically dictated or like. Mm-hmm. And that's all over the world. Like Filipinos all have Hispanic last names. Uh-huh. Gonzalez. Uh-huh. Like. Um, my mom's side of the family is Bonifacio like that's a Hispanic last name uh-huh. and it goes back to what you're saying like oh like that's my name I'm Filipino but like am I Filipino like am I Filipino I have a Hispanic I have a Spanish last name yeah, yeah that that was a line that I like was looking at the entire time mm-hmm. but disorganized my people and made us all owners that line hit home for me because mm. One thing that a lot of the black community at my college, like, that we talked about was that we were all, like, separated. Like, that people weren't getting along with each other and that, like, like, I had one friend who was like, we're all black. How come we're not, like, hanging out? How come we're not friends? Like, how come Mm. there's issues here? And so, yeah, like, it's very true that the black community is completely disorganized and it's completely, like, not it's not really a community like it's a community culturally we have a strong community you know but like there's still divisions yeah it's just it's a very separated community Mm. if you ask me Mm. so yeah i feel like that can be seen historically too though yeah because with gangs and yep with gangs with music there's like beef like when you think about rappers have beef. rappers having beef like why you gotta why you gotta beef right now like (laughs) y'all are both great yeah exactly what is there to beef about just collab on a song yeah so that made us all owners that that's a great line too i don't know just the chorus we were saying it it just is so direct and just hits home what alicia is saying here about joey really painting reality as it is without using any distorted filters or hiding anything back is something that strongly characterizes the second half of the album whereas the first half was more melodic and aspirational 
painting fantastical pictures of what Joey aspired to be and what he wished reality looked like. The second half is raw, it's gritty, and it gets straight to the point. No two other tracks explain this better than Rockabye Baby, which features Schoolboy Q, and Ring the Alarm, which features Michi Darko of the Flatbush Zombies, along with Nick Caution and Kirk Knight. Let's start out with Rockabye Baby. This song has a charismatic, grimy, and vintage sound. Joey scratches his raw voice over the repetitive sample, where listeners can get lost in the flow, and can't help but to visualize an image of a dark alleyway late at night, where Joey and Schoolboy Q are just lighting it up with their rapping. Joey talks about a lot in this song, but he starts off by saying, Peace to my slimes and peace to my crips. Slime and crips refers to two gangs, black dominated gangs here in the United States the Bloods and the Crips. And by bringing these two traditionally conflicting um, enemy type of gangs together, he shows that gang affiliations, even though they're so embedded in black communities and black culture, doesn't really do good because gang affiliations are internally tearing black communities apart. And throughout the song, Joey mentions themes of independence wild and untamable power, as well as the harsh and edgy reality that he's living in. He says that who else is not going to do this? If they don't do it, then why don't we? We ain't got no one to trust anyway. And mentally, Joey says he can never be controlled and he never plays games. So please don't play him. Schoolboy Q goes on with his theme, saying that the nightmare dreams are forever plaguing him, and it's always murder season. Even though black communities have endured historical oppression and discrimination that bleeds into present day, Joey and Schoolboy Q paint this strong, raw sense of independence that empowers black communities to really harness their power and strive towards something better. Not anything that's glamorous or kind of dolled up, but reality as it is. No matter how harsh, how hard, and how unpleasant it is, we have to tackle this problem face on. This theme of harnessing this wild, untamable power to confront the harsh reality is something that also appears in Ring the Alarm. Ring the Alarm has this nasty sample with um, a lot of sound effects, like a laughing villain, as well as a bass and cymbal roll, along with lightning sound effects, a vinyl crackle, sirens, and an unfinished raw production. It sounds like Joey's emerging or being unmasked from the shadows, and an evil potion is brewing in the distance. And Joey doesn't hold anything back when he raps here. He blatantly calls out the fake, whether that's politicians, people who are gloriously idolizing reality, or other rappers who don't really seem to be using their platform for good. In the first verse, Joey flaunts and proves his greatness by using this motif of death, saying how he's going to blatantly kill those who are fake 
and how he's able to tame the harsh reality. Then when the guest features start to arrive, they start to talk about who is a friend and who is a foe. And if you're trying to stay real with me, you better not make the wrong move. Michi Darko is probably one of my favorite features on this entire album. And he says something that is really powerful. He says that death always comes before dishonor, that he'll die for his brethren. Here, Michi Darko pays homage to Beast Coast and the group of rappers that Joey and um, Flapper Zombies and all the other friends, the people in Brooklyn, are a part of. But also, Michi Darko says that if you're going to stay real with me, do it right. And if you're fake, I don't need you. This type of divisive album, or I mean divisive voice that is, is what really drives innovative change, radical change, and pointing out what's wrong in reality. So Rockabye Baby and Ring the Alarm are harsh wake-ups where the rappers say, I got your back, and if you want beef, just call me, because even though reality may be harsh, we're right here to confront it. My family and literally, like, I think it was yesterday or two days ago at the dinner table, my sister asked my dad, like, what do you think about what's going on in the world right now? Isn't, isn't it just so crazy that all of this is happening? And my dad goes, well, that, that what's happening, that there's protests? And my sister goes, yeah, sure. And he goes, no, it's, it's not that's crazy. Happened. Yeah, he was like, that's happened all over the world before. Like, that's normal. We were like, well, when, when else has like people protested all over the world for america and he goes the vietnam war that's one case where uh-huh. this has already happened yeah and we were like okay well what about like what about um covid going on he goes we've already had outbreaks of different diseases yeah. and viruses like yeah. the swine flu when we were ele- in elementary school yeah. that SARS. happened. yeah like so much has already happened but my dad's point was it's just that they haven't happened on top of each other like this. Mm. And that's why it's so like crazy. Mm. Like 2020 is like the end of the world. <laughs> Everyone's like 2020, 2020 sucks. But I mean, it, this is reality. Yes. Like, it's just the fact that the so many scary parts of reality are overlapping on under one calendar year. Mm-hmm. But like you can't say, oh, coronavirus is just so... it's so otherworldly like yeah it's because it's not at the end of the day it's not that crazy of a concept right it's pretty like it's happened yeah it's just not to this level and with everything stacked on top of it yeah yeah it's so crazy to me because like i've had experiences whether that's good or bad with race yeah in my life but i just think of that to be such a taboo like idea topic like you don't talk about race who talks about yeah who's gonna talk about war yeah my family yeah but that's just like the norm so that's what my family is gonna Uh do Uh which is yeah and what's funny is like for me it's the other way around like that's normal conversation for me in a in a household but then like i went out and i met people in college Mm. not so much high school because i feel like i didn't really talk enough in Mm. high school about this type of stuff Mm. But when I went to college, like, I'd meet people who, like, just didn't believe in certain things about the world. Or, Aww. like, I knew someone who didn't believe in mental illness. And I was like, really? Like, you know. Okay, we have, a, we have a long ways to go. Yeah, I was what? like, you got a long way to go. I met I met so many 
people who were not black who said the n-word like it was com- like normal they would say it so comfortably to me and i'd be like hmm like are you okay <laughs> um and like would have to call them out and tell them to stop and they were just like well i grew up around people and everybody said it and like nobody ever said that i wasn't supposed to say it so yeah for me that's normal conversation but going to college i met so many people who i found out like this is not normal conversation <laughs> i then asked alicia so when you come across someone who thinks differently than you how do you go about getting on the same page well for starters I learned if you if you go about starting a conversation with somebody who has completely different beliefs as you mm. and if you start that conversation like trying to butt heads and say you're wrong that's gonna go nowhere mm. you're never gonna like progress in that conversation yeah. so like the way I've always gone about it and I've gotten like a lot better at this through years but the way I've gone about it is listen to what they say first and, yeah first listen to why they believe it Mm. and then dismantle it little by little Mm. because like for example my friend who didn't believe in like mental illness Mm. like I was like okay why why don't you believe in mental illness and she was like well I well first she went to she went to like a private school where they didn't talk about it yeah and like Lincoln definitely talked about it you know but she went to a high school that never talked about it and in her household which was like an Asian household Mm. not even Asian American though just Mm. an Asian household like Mm. they never talked about it and Mm. like it's definitely not something you talk about it's not you don't talk about you don't tell your mom mom I think I think can we talk about like like, can I talk about my mental health right now yeah it's not not, and it's just not something in like the POC community in general no no. like POC community does not talk about mental illness no at all there's more like mm-hmm. i mean it's not true but people say there's more important things to think yeah about. they say oh like you think you're mentally ill no like you just have a are hard having, life you are need you to like, get over it are you are is your life in danger every day no or no like, like did you have to pick stuff in the fields no then get over it yeah. like that's that's how it is for poc communities yeah. and so yeah she just like hadn't experienced meeting anybody who was open about their mental illness and like wasn't taught it in her household wasn't taught taught it in her high school so it just came down to like it honestly all of it difference in beliefs comes down to how you were raised and how like Mm. the people around you what you were exposed to and so it she obviously like now she like knows that it's real and like i've talked to her about it and i've been like well like why not like why don't you believe this and like gave her examples of people that i've met who i'm like i know that they go through this and it's not fake like it's real Mm. so like that's how i go about it most of the time because i've learned through time that you can't just you can't just go up to someone and be like everything you were taught growing up is a lie like you can you You are you are morally wrong you are morally wrong you are ethically wrong and everything you were taught growing up it's a lie everything you've experienced it's a lie like that nobody's gonna be open to that no (laughs) ever no no. so yeah it's it's all about how you go about it you just have to go about it with an open mind and with the thought that you are going to help educate this person not I'm right about this and you're wrong. It's more of, I want to help educate you. And you can help educate me. Mm -hmm. For me, All American Badass is an album I think everyone should listen to. So to round off our conversation, I asked Alicia the same question. What's a song, an album, or an artist that you wish anyone, everyone should listen to? 
and she gave me this answer. What are a few albums or songs or artists albums that, or any type of music that wow. has impacted you or any hope <laughs> listeners can maybe take a listen to? Oh my gosh, that is an amazing question. Actually, right now, she hasn't released the entire album yet, but Alicia Keys. Oh, you've been staying this for because so I'm, long. Because I'm in love with the songs that she already released. And it's not even because, like, they're so musically great or because, yeah. like, they sound so good or that the chorus is so good and her vocals are amazing. It's yeah. because her lyrics and the things that she's trying to get across in these songs are amazing. Like, oh. she has one song. She They're just really powerful, different And songs. do you know when it releases? Oh my gosh, it was supposed to be released already, I think. Yeah, because she was supposed to be touring already, and I was trying to go see her perform this album, but she just has really amazing songs. Like, she has a song called Underdog that just, like, reflects on, like, people who are underdogs in our society, mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. the lyrics are literally, this this goes out to the underdogs, keep on getting at what you love. Like, uh-huh. she just got some really good songs. Yeah. Um, she released a song in that album called perfect way to die and like it's like it's really good like it's just heart wrenching to be honest because <laughs> she talks about like police brutality in yeah. the song and yeah. yeah so that album oh and then like the last song of the album is called good job and like basically it's just is saying like good job to all the people who are still working right now like good job to the doctors good job to the anyone, custodians. anyone yeah everybody who's working right now in covid you know yeah, yeah yeah so i don't know i just appreciate that album as it is right now it's mm. not it's not fully released something to look forward to songs. yeah it's something to completely look forward to for me because i'm just i'm a humongous leash keys fan. maybe we should listen to maybe it we next. should listen to it next time it's pretty straightforward it's not too hard to like break down yeah. but yeah it's a it's a really good album so far and i'm uh-huh. excited to see like everything uh-huh. else that's on it yeah yeah yeah. i'm excited well <laughs> thank you alicia for coming on yeah no problem this is a great conversation this even one... though it's uh, fully dark right now i know and you could hear kids screaming in the background for an hour yeah that's like nevertheless <laughs> but yeah thank you for having me yeah this I... is really great and honestly just feels like a convo we'd have just this is a normal, normal conversation, conversation. <laughs> and that's i think that's something i want to tell viewers or listeners is that this doesn't have to be on a podcast yeah like, or a youtube video it's just this, it's so easy to talk about stuff like this, this if you is, just open your mind you know yeah this is just something like i honestly without the recording we would just be talking about yeah so. honestly i agree i agree <laughs> yeah well thank you again alicia no problem it was great having you on and I look as alicia and i had said Talking about these songs and these current social issues and ultimately our lives is really important and really easy. And I wish that's something that a lot of people can take away from this podcast. Talking about music can be such a great segue into talking about really intimate, tricky things. It's really not that hard. And all this being said, this marks the end of my conversation with um, other people about the album All American Badass. This album is so good front to back in its entirety. The sounds are so diverse and the ideas that Joey posits are more relevant than ever today. So after dissecting all the songs and talking about them, I have one thing left for listeners that I wish you guys could do is that I actually didn't really touch on the last song of this album, American Idol, because the 
the lyrics and the content is just so packed and it can be interpreted in different ways based on who's listening. So I encourage all of you to take a listen to American Idol. It's only like five minutes or so and have the lyrics up and see the ways in which it intersects with your life and your experiences and your view on the world. This episode marks the end of my All-American Badass series. I honestly had so much fun covering this album and dissecting its content, the musicalities, the lyrics, and everything else, and also talking it out, not only with Alicia, but with all of you folks as well. In the next episode, the album I'm going to be covering is Room 25, which is an album released by Chicago female rapper, No Name. And as a guest, I'm going to be having Pilar Agudelo, who is one of my really good high school friends on the episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I'll see you folks next time to unravel our next blueprint.